0: Um, Let's let's get into our message. I want to start with a counseling principle. Uh, And if you're single uh, and and you're not married, this is kind of a marriage principle, but it it makes its way into friendships as well. It makes its way into your most important relationship, which is your relationship with God. Uh, And so I want to start with this principle. Again, kind of a marriage principle. And I'm not a great marriage counselor. I'm decent. About four years in, people started asking me to, to, to counsel them in marriage. And so really, just for about six years, I've been doing marriage counseling. But in honor of Father's Day, I'm going to use one of my father's principles. Uh, He's been doing marriage counseling for 25 years. He's a beast. He's an excellent marriage counselor. Uh, I love him very much, and and I hope he listens to this message because I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, But this is one of his principles. And, And you can all walk out of here marriage counseling geniuses today. Okay? I know you all feel like that anyway. Like your friend comes up to you, and they're like, hey, help me out with marriage. You're like, yes. Lay on this couch. Let me tell you how you should run your marriage. We all feel like we want that, and so this is a principle. Uh, say you sit down with a couple, and they say, "Man, we're struggling. We can't find the love." Here's what you should do: you should take them back. So, so through whatever format you can, ask them questions to take them back to what had them falling in love in the first place. So it can sound like this: What did you used to do? How did you used to date? What did you used to make really important in your marriage when you were truly in love? And they would have a little bit of bitter silence first. You know, there's always a bit of that. And then you got to force one. Like, well, we used to do a lot of things that we don't do. Okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. What did you used to do? Someone answer calmly, okay? And someone will say, well, we used to date. A lot. Like, every Friday night, we would make food together. uh, We would pray together. We would go for a walk. And we would get ice cream, wow, that sounds amazing. What do you do now? Well, we make ramen, and not like the trendy kind from like Ani Ramen, but like the 35-cent kind. I put on my big stained sweatpants, the stained sweatpants that say there's no intimacy tonight, those sweatpants. Uh, and, then, and then we do our bills. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's going a different way with it now, you know? You can start to see some issues, right? Then you can say, are you hearing each other? Because there's a difference between listening to each other and hearing each other, right? There's a big difference. And I say, no, okay, so why aren't you hearing each other? What did you once do when you were hearing each other? Well, we would turn off our phones when we came home. We'd do a lot of pillow talk before we turned on the TV at all. Uh, We'd text and call throughout the day. Okay, what do you do now? Well, he works first shift. I work second shift. We don't even really talk anymore. Okay, okay, we're seeing some problems, right? And undoubtedly, this exercise takes you to one conclusion, not just in marriage, but in friendship, and in your relationship with God, the most important relationship in your life. That conclusion is this. Relationship is about positioning. Relationship is about positioning. So our fake couple once made it a priority to position themselves for a good relationship. Right, it was a priority. They pushed hell and high water out of the way to position themselves, to date, to talk, to communicate. And now something took over, whether it, it, was, it was lust, it was greed, it was work, it was even kids can take over. S- something took over. Comfort, your, whatever, it takes over and, and this is no longer a priority to you. The positioning of relationship is no longer a priority to you. Right? Again, this is the same thing for your, your, your relationship with your friend. If you move to Texas and you're like, oh, we're going to be BFFs, right? Best friends forever. You move to Texas, if, if you don't make it a priority to have a Skype date every single Wednesday, it's not going to be BFF. It's going to be no FF. This is not going to happen. Because you're no longer positioning yourself for good relationship. Now, we always call this relationship with God our source relationship. Our source devotion. Meaning it's the source... It's the relationship that feeds all of your other relationships. It's the devotion in your life that feeds all of your other devotions. We talk about it all the time. If you're in missional communities, if you're on our discipleship path, if you're on our discipleship retreat, this is what we talk about. This is your source relationship. And and, and the question is, are you positioning yourself well to be in good relationship with God or not? One last quick illustration before we get into the the, the message and the scriptures this morning Uh, And and, and that illustration goes like this. My father and I always connected through one thing. We would go to games, uh, baseball games, basketball games, football games, soccer games, you name it. That was our way of connecting. And every single time, without a doubt, he would want to do this really embarrassing thing. Uh, We were always kind of middle to lower class. And so we were always sitting in the nosebleeds. And he would stare at these seats down low that nobody was sitting in. And he'd hit me on the arm, and he'd go, let's go. Like, third quarter, come on. Like, no, Dad, Dad, this is embarrassing. It's illegal. The guy with the fake baton is going to hit us. I mean, this is not where I want to go. And it didn't matter what I said. He was going to push everything out of the way to try to sit in those seats. His philosophy was, if we get kicked out, who cares? Right? It's the third quarter. It doesn't even really matter at this point. Right? I just want, to, I want the better seats. I want to hear better I want to see better. I want a better view. I want to position myself better. Let me ask you again. Are you positioned well for a deep relationship with God? And is that positioning, is that hungry heart putting you in a place where you hear God and see God better? You, you hear and see the kingdom of God. Jesus put it this way last week. First scripture, first scripture last week, and, and, and you know, this week is kind of uh, Kind of, it's kind of a rollout from last week. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. He's not talking about auditory perception. He's not talking about the, the presence of the ear. He's saying, are you positioned well for deep relationship with God? And has it led you to hear God well? To see God, to see God's kingdom. He talks about the kingdom all the time. When we talk about heaven and the earth, we talk about heaven as this place up there. But that's not how Jesus talked about it. He talked about the two kingdoms colliding, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of earth, and we're supposed to usher in the kingdom of God through positioning ourselves well for good relationship, through hearing and listening and seeing what God is doing and then following through on what God is doing. So let me ask you, are you positioned well, or are you good with the nosebleeds? You're just up there in the nosebleeds. You you can't really see, you can't really hear, but you're in the stadium. It's good enough. I, for one, want courtside. side, and in the end, I want to participate. There was this great book called uh, uh, it "Was," something about I forget what it was, but it was, not a fan. Okay, uh, and his his concept was: I, I don't want to be a fan of Jesus. I want to be a follower. I want to participate. Are you positioned well for relationship? With God. Uh, that, that's where we're going today. Um, Jesus is going to capitalize on this idea by giving a parable. He's going to tell a story. And in that story, some people are positioned well. The soil of their heart is good. Uh, you know it's good because they have good life bedrock. They have good foundations. Their, their foundations are fertile. Uh, and they prove it because of what they produce. I love this parable. It's so easy. God says, What do you produce? Because these folks are producing disciples. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. The, the people they're in relationship with are now following Jesus or they want to follow Jesus or, 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 or they're so good that there's a stench about Jesus about them, and people are questioning constantly. There's joy in their, their life. There's fruit of the spirit in their life. I just want to be this person. Like You'll hear about this person in this scripture. They have such good soil in their life that, that you just want to be that person. You just want to produce. And then there's three different categories that are not good. Jesus is going to categorize us today. He's going to do it. And I know that our generation kind of hates that. Don't you put me in a box, sir. I'm going to put myself in a box. I'm going to label it whatever I want to label it. And I realize I'm still in a box, but at least I named it. This This is what our... Jesus is going to categorize you today. And if you'll let this scripture tell you it will tell you exactly what box you fit in. If you let the scripture tell you what, it, what instead of approaching the scripture, like some of you guys go to Jesus and you're constantly telling him what box you fit in. Some of you need to stop telling Jesus who you are and let him tell you who you are. Let him tell you how you're doing. You might not be doing good, but you need to find a, self, a sense of self-awareness. Look, look, if you're not self-aware, you cannot surrender self. Understand that. If you're not self-aware, you cannot surrender yourself. And if you can't surrender yourself, then you will never understand the God who sent His only Son to surrender Himself for you. You'll never understand that love. So, so God is going to make you self-aware today, uh, and, and that's amazing. If, if you'll let Him, uh, if you'll humble, we call ourselves Hot Church, humble, open, teachable. If we'll humble ourselves before God, let Him teach us. Uh, and, and really, I want to pray what's called an "Only Me" prayer as we get into the scripture. Do you know what an only me prayer is? Like if you've been a follower of Jesus for any period of time, you know that God does this crazy thing, Holy Spirit does this crazy thing where you're sitting in a room full of, full of 100 people, but it feels like there's only me. You ever been there? I gave my life to Christ in a moment, just like in an only me moment. Like there was a thousand people in a room, but it felt like there was only me and whatever the preacher was saying and the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. It's only me. I told Jesus I would become a pastor in an only me moment. In a church, I can't even remember the name of the church, but I remember the only me moment. So let's pray that only me prayer, and let's let God make us self-aware of what category we fit into. Uh, and again, let's just kind of, let's, let's shake off the dust that says, uh, you know, I, I don't, don't put me in a box. Okay, let, let's let God tell us who we are, because I promise he has the grace uh, for whatever rigidity you find out of that, he has the grace to just heal you. God, we welcome you in this room right now. We welcome you in this room. We ask for you to be the Lord over our lives. For you to be king. For your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, help our pride walls come crashing down and help us submit to you in this moment. We're needy. We're hungry. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. All right, Mark 4.3. Turn to Mark 4.3 with me. Again, we're going verse by verse of the gospel according to Mark. Uh, If you're brand new, this is what we do. We go verse by verse through through the Bible because we want God to know we're here to listen to him and not some preacher. We want our hearts to know that God is king. God is the pastor of this church. Okay, this is Mark 4, 3. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Now, follow Jesus. He's going to talk about seed, and he's going to talk about Three, uh, four different foundations. Okay, so when he talks about a new seed in a new foundation, he's opening up a brand new category. Other seed fell on rocky ground. New category, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse seven. Other seed. Next type of person. Next category. Other seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded grain. I'm sorry, yeah, it yielded no grain. And other seeds, next category, fall into good soil. It's the good stuff. Produce grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. Which person are you? Do you know? It is okay if you don't know. Because the disciples last week, they go to Jesus and they're like, Hey, Jesus. Asking for a friend. Uh, We're kind of all wondering, the friends are wondering why you speak in parables and you're talking about seed. Uh, I don't know if I'm the bird here or the rock you call Peter a rock later on. I'm just confused about what I am in this scenario, but I'm asking for, this this is how the disciples approach this. So Jesus responds, next verse, verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He's like, hey guys, this is the easiest one. There's only like four characters here. This is the easy one. But he's going to explain it to them, at least the first one. The sower, verse 14, sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Are you positioned well for relationship with God? Are you positioned well to hear from God? Jesus is going to put us in categories. The first category is a path. Are you a path? I couldn't wait to preach this message because I'm actually a lawn genius. I am. I'm a lawn genius. I lived in the Burbs uh, for 10 years. Uh, I had an amazing lawn. Uh, It was glorious. I know everything about seed and water and when to water. I had this other lawn genius. His name was Billy, okay? He was 40 years older than me. He he was like a father to me. Uh, We had a a deal. Uh, I discipled him in Jesus stuff. He discipled me in lawn stuff. So he was retired, he'd come by three times a week, he'd yell at me, tell me what I need to do, and then he'd leave. He'd help me do it sometimes, and then he'd leave. By the end of it, I was an absolute lawn genius, okay? So I want to prove it to you, because some of you guys are like, "Uh, you don't seem like that type of guy. This is my lawn. (laughs) Woo! Look at that thing! Oh my goodness! Some of you guys are like, that's a big house. Guys, everywhere else in the country, it's not that hard to have a decent-sized house, okay? Uh, And if you don't believe me, those are my spokes. Okay, proof this morning. Look at those lines, folks. Look at them lines. Look at that rock bed. Woo! Like, I looked at this picture. I had to look it up on the Internet. I'm like, man, that's a good-looking lawn. Look at that shrubbery. All right? So I wanted you to know this, not not so that you invite me over to mow your 10-by-10 lawn. Uh, I love you, and I would do that, but I don't want to do that. Um, But also so that you know, look, I know know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go back so that you don't just stare at that the whole time. Uh, so so you know, I know what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, And and here's what it means uh, by it being sown along the path. Like, it can be be amazing seed, really good seed. The sower is sowing really good seed. But if it's sown along the path, which means not great soil, hard soil, hard dirt, and and if it's not watered, so what, what has to happen is, I was telling Ryan this the other day. Ryan's like, "I got a five by five patch of grass. I have no clue how to take care of it." I'm like, "I'm here for you, buddy. You got to lay down the weed and feed, and then water it immediately because you need the water to you need need the water to sink it in below the surface. If not, it's going to sit along the path. And birds, if you don't know, which which is referred to as Satan here. Uh, By the way, in ancient Jewish Jewish texts, Satan was often referred to as a bird because he fell from heaven and he was good at snatching." Okay. Often the bird would just come. They don't care if you spent fifty dollars at Home Depot, all right, for weed and feed. They snatch it right off the path. That's just dinner. That's just dinner. So what? What Jesus is saying here. Bottom line is, if you don't position yourself to hear well from God, and not only that, when you hear well from God, you water it. Satan's main job is to snatch. It's to steal, kill, destroy. Whatever seed you have going on in your heart, whatever you heard from God, it's to snatch. And so Satan will snatch it away from you. Or he'll distract you. Or he'll make you pull out your phone. Or whatever it is, Satan will want to snatch whatever seed is trying to, trying to sink below the surface. I'll try to snatch it up now. Maybe you're wondering, how, how, do I, how do I water it? How do I water it? That's a really good question. I want to get really practical here. We're going to use Sunday morning as an example. Um, mainly the way you water seed is by getting alone with Jesus in the scriptures or or getting in a discipleship relationship or missional communities with the scriptures uh, and talking through these things. Uh, That's the main way to let the water sink below the surface, uh, sink the sea below the surface. But I want to talk about this moment here because we built a culture in American Christianity Uh, where the culture is is sitting in the back row. I love the back row, by the way. I I love to sit in the back row as well. Uh, Where the culture sits in the back row and says, Preacher, entertain me. You have five minutes. If not, I'm pulling out Candy Crush. If you tell a good story, if you tell a good story, I'll pay attention for five more minutes. But if you don't tell a good story, I'm done. Right? This is the culture that we built. This is not hungry. You're not going to water seed that way. What we need to do is build a culture where people are fighting, fighting to pull out their moleskin journals, fighting to talk about it at brunch, fighting to get to missional communities. This is hunger. This is watering. Fighting to memorize. Fighting to wake up before. uh, I I love uh, one of our missional communities, uh, Bayonne missional community. Shout out. Yes. A little bit of raising the roof with one hand. That's good. They're doing they're doing something called a first fruits challenge. First thing in the morning, they're 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 trying to give their heart to Jesus. So these are the things that take the seed below the surface. And then you have to do the word. Then you have to do the word. This is James. Oh, this is my house. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone who is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. He, he forgets that he got some, some big old piece of chicken on his lip and his beard. He, he forgets, he doesn't even remember what he looks like but, because he didn't put into practice what just happened. If you don't do the word, it's not going to sink below the surface. So so if this is the moment where you just come in and you listen to a sermon and you say, entertain me, preacher, Uh, please do it. And if you don't do it well, I'm not really going to pay attention. If that's your hunger level, you're never going to do the word. You're never going to memorize the word. You're never going to have a relationship with the word. And it's never going to get below the surface. It's going to sit on top. You're wondering, how are these people so deep? How are these Christians so deep? How is that guy, how is that gal so deep? It's because when they hear the word of God, they do whatever they can to get it below the surface. They turn on those sprinklers. They're like, how do we get it in? How do we lodge it deep in our soul so that we remember it? How do we do it? How do we practice it? How do we honor it? How am I faithful? And if this is you, if you feel like, man, yeah, I'm, I'm that surface person, then all you have to do is, is tell God, look, God, I'm sorry I'm not hungry. Just spoil spoiler alert. Every single answer is gonna be, repent for where you're at. My wife will tell you, like she won't tell you that I'm bad at a bunch of things. She would never say that in public. But she would say the one thing you're pretty good at is, is, is changing. Because all, and I got, no, I got no magic formula except the gospel, which is Jesus, I'm sorry, help me change. And then I take one step of faithfulness And for some reason, he catches me every single time and makes me into a new person. If this is you, get hungry. Get yourself a moleskin. Get yourself a notebook. Come in here. Let's populate the front row. Let's just populate it. Just feel my spit spraying all over. I'm sorry, sometimes I do. But just just populate. Let's get hungry together. Let's get to missional community. Uh, on Thursday night, we had like 15 people there. You know what Theo did? Theo led the missional community, did a great job. He pulled out a paper that had the word on it, three questions we got in groups of four, and we just studied the scripture together. I remember everything that we talked about. We went deep. None, none of us were, I mean, there wasn't a bunch of Rhodes Scholars in there. It was, Oh, yes, well, actually, and this is what it says. No, we we were just studying the word. This is what it means to me. What does it mean to you? We were sharpening each other, getting the seed below the surface. And if we don't, Satan will come and he'll snatch it. So let's repent. Let's turn to Jesus. Let's ask him. Help us get this below the surface. Next one. That's along the path. Verse 16. Verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. You know, these folks, maybe this person, loved it today. Amazing word. Verse 17, and they have no root in themselves. But endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Immediately they fall away. This is the next category. This is rocky ground. You know what grows really well on rocky ground? You saw that amazing rock bed that I had. Okay, again, I'm not lying. Um, Weeds. Sprout up super quick on rocky ground, super quick. So this is this is how weird I was, uh, and this is also the reason why Jesus took a lawn away from me. You can see that pride swells up inside of me. He's like, I'm moving into the concrete jungle. This is ridiculous. Uh, you've idolized your lawn, okay? Uh, so <laughs> it's a weird idol. So I, I would I would go out there on a Saturday and I would pick them things individually and I would like this, <laughs> and I would spray it. And then I would sit back with, with sweet tea in my bare feet. Clinky, clinky, clinky. This is what I would do. And I would just survey my kingdom. Just, yes. <laughs> you know? Again, this is why Jesus took a lawn away from me. Uh, and the next day, guess what would happen? Bink! Stupid little, stupid little, little dandelion. My kids are like, oh, those are beautiful flowers. I'm like, no, it's lying, it's a weed. It's lying about being fruit. It's lying about about being something good. This this is what what happens on rocky ground. If you're on rocky ground, if the foundations of your heart are rocky ground, you'll sprout up quick. And you know this because you'll be in church on Sunday and you'll be like, tomorrow I'm moving to Africa. I'm saving lives for Jesus, right? That's Sunday. Monday you'll be like, start an avocado farm you know just gone like that sunday you'll be like i'm gonna read the entire new testament in a month and your wiser friend is gonna come alongside you and say hey hey bub why don't you start with a chapter a day no do the whole new testament you get through three chapters and then the next day you're in the harry potter series you know what i mean Some of you guys feel like that. You're you're a constantly super joyous person. That's the wrong gauge to figure out if you have roots. The gauge is not can you raise your hand on Sundays when everybody's here? The gauge is do you raise your hand on Mondays when nobody's around? You don't know if you're generous if you give when you're rich. You have no clue if you give out of your access. The gauge is do you give when you're broke? The gauge is not, you know, am I joyous in the clear skies on the mountaintop? It's, it's, it, do, I, do I find joy somewhere in, in, the, in the rainy valley? Do I find a way to follow Jesus better? That's how you know you're not on rocky ground. So, so here's my advice to you who feel like you're on, on rocky ground. Just, just take consistent steps of faithfulness. Just take consistent Day by day. Look, Jesus, how did God feed us in the desert? With daily bread, right? You think he was trying to show us something about his faithfulness? He was showing us that his faithfulness is constant. It's one day at a time. It's can I be faithful today with today's bread? Some of y'all got to know you're going to be rich 30 years out. Relax. What about today's bread? What about, what about today's faithfulness? Some of you sign up for big things. I want to go on this thing over here. What about today? Were you faithful with today? Because if you weren't faithful with a little, he ain't going to give you a lot. So, so if, if that's how you feel like maybe I'm on rocky ground, maybe that's me, it feels like my category, it's okay. Repent and get faithful today. Do one amazing servant-filled Faithful thing today. Serve in children's ministry next week. Verse 18. That's rocky ground. We have a path. We have rocky ground. Uh, Verse 18. And others, okay, yeah, sorry, bud. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those, excuse me, they are those who hear the word But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. So these are the people that that want to love Jesus, but riches, success, rising up in their company, getting things, getting a new pair of Nikes, (laughs) chokes it out. It just just chokes it out. And here's the difference between cultural language when it comes to money and biblical language. Cultural language gives you permission. This is what it sounds like in your head. It's all good. You earned it. You worked 50 hours last week. You're the one serving under that boss that you don't even like. That's your money. That's your talent. You're amazing at what you do. So you deserve that other thing. You deserve that that $20,000 priced over car. Do you need the Lambo? I don't know. I don't think a Lambo's, actually I do think a Lambo's sinful. I don't think you need a Lambo. There's hungry folks. It'll choke it out. And you're on this journey and you're saying, look, I'm overworked. No, you're overworking. Come on now. Jesus didn't tell you to say yes to everybody. Jesus didn't tell you to please everybody. Jesus didn't tell you he wouldn't have your back if you went and told your boss, look, here are my boundaries, homie. These are my boundaries. I ain't working on Sunday. I'm not, I'm not working three nights a week because I got a family and I love them. So if you want to fire me, do you, boo-boo. Jesus didn't tell you you wouldn't have your back if you did that. You don't have to say it like that. That probably wouldn't keep your job. I'm just saying. But, but here's what happens. The culture uses excuse language. Culture uses excuse language, uh, where Jesus uses warning language. Jesus uses warning language. So what what Jesus will say is, it's a trap. This is a trap. This this desire, this chasing, this focus, it's a trap. It's going to steal you. It's going to rob your heart. It's going to kill your faith. That's why he calls it thorns. Now, money is not bad. Come on now. Money ain't bad. Money helps the kingdom of God. Money helps broken people. Money helps you. God does not want you to be starving. That's not what that's not what the scripture is saying. But money will choke you if you love it. This is what the Bible says about, about the love of money. First Timothy: For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through cra- the, this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You envy your cha- your, your envy your chase for money. It's going to choke out everything. Everything spiritual and good in your life. It's just money. It's good. It's okay. It's good stuff. It helps people. It helps you. But it's just money. So don't let your chase, your pursuit, don't let it rob you of your relationship with God. Okay? Don't, don't become obsessive over it. Um, maybe you are in the rock bed category. Maybe you're in the path category. Maybe you're all thorny. Maybe you're in that category. Which one are you? Those, those are the bad ones. Let's get to the good one. And, and then, I'm not, then I got a word about the bad ones. I, I want to end with a word about the bad one. But, but this, is, this is the good category. But those who, that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Like I told you at the beginning, if you, if you want to know, if you want to let the word tell you what category you're in, it'll tell you by this. Ask yourself What am I producing? What is my life producing? Are you producing people who love Jesus? People who are curious about Jesus? Is your life producing good family? Is your life producing good relationships? Now, relationships are always going to be hard, but is it producing good relationship? Here's how you know. And and let me tell you what I don't want you to concentrate on today today. I don't want you to concentrate on the photosynthesis. Like, how do I, how do I grow seed? How do I? No, no, that's not what God asked us to. He said, work on the soil of the heart. I'll, I'll produce something. I'll produce something out of that. Just, just work on the soil of the heart. And how we do that is, again, repentance. Look, um, this is not, these categories are not made out of concrete. They're made out of cardboard. You know what I mean by that? Like the gospel has made these categories out of cardboard. They were concrete at some point. They would trap people in and people couldn't find a way to get to God. And, and Jesus tells this, this you know, rich young, he's like, he's, he's, it's, it's really hard for people to get into heaven who are rich. Why? Not because God doesn't love rich people, but because, man, it just chokes it out and it feels like this concrete, this concrete room that they can't get out of. They just love this money. They love these things. They can't help themselves, right? But Jesus died for those people. He died for you, and he made the room go from concrete to cardboard. Where, if you want, the gospel will blow that room over. And you can, by the power of God, by the grace of God, by Jesus dying for you and resurrecting for you, you can find yourself in a brand new category through one thing God, I repent. I've been loving money. God, I repent. I've been letting everything sit on the surface. I don't care about your word enough. God, I repent, I get really excited really quickly, but then I don't I don't do anything faithful with it. What's your category? And maybe you're producing good things. But you go through seasons of I slip into this, I slip into that. Pray with me. Let's pray over these categories. Worship team. I'm just going to give a minute for God to speak to you, to ha- for you to have an only me moment. Jesus, in this moment, would you tell us where we're at? Not who we are, because who we are is a child of God, son of God, daughter of God. Uh, we are not victims. Uh, we, are, we, we, we can be broken, and you'll put us back together. Not who we are, but where we're at. You guys understand the difference? This is God telling you where you're at right now. And God, we ask that you would take us from one category to another. Through repentance, through confession, through the love of this community. Just so you know, if you're here and you fall in one of those categories, ah, we love you. That's it. Jesus loves you. That's it. The gospel loves you. You can die to your old life and resurrect into brand new life. You don't have to fear shame. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to have fear. None of that is part of the gospel. What's part of the gospel is, Jesus, I come to you. I wish I was in a different category. Can you take me? Can you help me produce? We Love you, Jesus. We love your gospel. We pray that it would seep into this room. Teach us how we're doing, teach us where we're at to surrender self and we worship you in Jesus name